Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. And I think what's so fascinating about medicine and uh, Western culture, which is so medicine dependent, is it's really a dependency on bypassing the symptoms. And I think what we know from doing so much of this somatic work, symptoms are ways the body communicates. They're not they're not flaws or failures of the body. They're like really healthy responses to situations. So if we think of fatigue or we think of pain or we think of nausea, like all these things that come with being ill, that's the body trying to say, I'm not going to do this right now that you can't make me like, I'm going to make this so unpleasant for you that you have to just sit still, sometimes to the point where you can't even eat. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we explore life through the lens of somatics. I'm Luis Mojica, a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety in themselves. Your turn to learn begins now. Okay, my friends, so we're back with another HLN team recording. I have a bunch of things I wrote down that I thought would be fun to discuss. And um, I thought we would just start with sickness because uh, I had a meeting with Marika before we all met and she was saying she currently has COVID on the outskirts of having COVID. Um, but you said that this was uh, interesting to have COVID while embodied. So let's just dive right into that and see where it takes us. What does that mean? Yeah, I, I think um, I looked back on all the times I've been sick, which definitely COVID is different than like just the regular flu for me. But um, I really realized how much I was have always been bracing, um, especially like the minute I get sick, um, 
<laughs> there's also a lot of like, no, you're not. <laughs> so like getting into reality was, it was a little bit easier this time. Um, you know, seeing that my COVID test was positive and it was like, oh no. Um, but I really felt like I just felt followed the body all week. And um, in a way that I normally, even in a way I normally cannot, because um, usually there's like work and life and marriage and, you know, like all these other things. But since we had the time off and, um, and it was a break, it was like, oh, all I have to do is just listen to like what my body needs and, and give it, to, <laughs> and give it. Mm -hmm. And so it really was like, um, there wasn't any point where I'm like, I should be doing X, you know, like maybe taking meds and that type of thing. But, but there wasn't any fighting against what was reality, you know? And I thought that that was a really interesting, um, sort of new way to approach sickness for me because of course I don't want to be sick but in that instance this last whole week of just being in bed you know not even eating very much that it felt like I was fasting um I could tell that my body was really liking it I mean just mm -hmm. uh, you know rather than me fighting it um rather than me bracing against everything or feeling like this shouldn't be happening you know, we had to cancel all of our holiday plans, anniversary plans, like everything. And instead of just sort of being very sad about that or wishing that it was different, it was just like, this is what my body's going through. We can always reschedule things. You know, um, I think what I get to give my body is the gift of rest, um, which that was what our break was about. <laughs> I didn't yeah. think it was, this is how I was going to get that rest. Yeah. But, um, but I feel well, like, I, 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 yeah, I feel like I got better quicker because I was not, um, fighting it. Um, when you said I didn't know that's how I was going to get the rest, you know, we had this new, uh, full moon ceremony yesterday and, uh, someone said, I forget who was, someone said in the ceremony, um, um, how'd they put that Camille? They were like, I don't know where support's going to come. Like I, I'm, I'm letting it come wherever it comes instead of thinking where it's supposed to come. <laughs> and I've always loved that as a, as a, like a practice. And so this is that same practice. It's like, okay, I wanted to rest for two weeks. This is what happened to make sure I rested for two weeks. And I even love how you said your body liked it. Like you could feel your body liked being slow eating less, relaxing, sleeping as much as you need, like just really you were, you were called to just prioritize your body. Yeah. And I, I also find that, that that's when saying no is so much easier for me, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, because mm -hmm. I can't go out, I can't do stuff. I can't, but um, I was even in the process of trying, like somebody was asking me if, like, if I could help them with, you know, their website and somebody asked it, you know, and I'm like, I guess I could, I'm on break. Yeah, nope. <laughs> Mm -hmm. sorry no <laughs> that's right you know and, that's right. and i'm glad that i got that chance to choose myself i'm glad i'm still alive because <laughs> i was worried you know for my kidneys but um yeah i was surprised by how quickly isn't necessarily it lasted a week but um how um i just didn't have as much resistance in myself well instead of quickly would the word be ease like it was more easy yeah, that's what i'm more... feeling when you talk about it Right, because yeah. it's like, 
I I just get very Debbie Downer when I get sick, and so this yeah. it was like, oh, what can I actually do? You know, mm -hmm. okay, I watched a lot of Netflix. I I slept so much. I you know a lot of like a little bit of fruit, you know, mm -hmm. which was just like a raspberry tasted like a milkshake. <laughs> it, does, it, it does that it does that yeah and i, I really love having been being able to reset naturally right before the new year felt kind of almost like a gift mm -hmm. see re reset is exactly how i experience getting sick like i was saying to you all i love getting sick and i don't seek it out like i don't like go out and try to get sick but when i'm sick i'm like oh, i'm sick and i just let myself lay down and prioritize the body and it's like the, the organism of the body wants to survive so much that there's very little I have to do. It kind of does its own thing. I just sit back, I watch it. And like you said, you, you give it, you know, what it's asking for. And I, I guess I think sickness is so special because it makes us so sensitive to our capacity. Like we really feel what feels good. We really feel what feels bad. Like you were even saying you were noticing your inability to even like something that you saw online, like to click the like button was too much for your body. That's really good information. I just love that. No. I'm laughing now because um, we, <laughs> when we came into this thing, I was like, okay, Marika and Evan, you need to insert yourselves because Camille and I will just take over because we have flight responses and we talk so much. And I see Camille like pursing her lips and smiling right now, like, like pulling back. And Marika's doing it. She dove in. So I'm like, yes, here we go. Like I did it, Evan. It's your turn. And we, all right, all right, <laughs> we can all go home. <laughs> oh, Evan before Camille. Now we're getting somewhere. Evan, <laughs> held Evan. Um, no, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before the call too, but um, just kind of mirroring what Marika was saying that I... Um, also had, uh, in a lot of ways, a similar experience uh, when I had COVID because um, not in the actual experience of it myself, like I ended up having long COVID. So for about six months, I had difficulty breathing, but more so in the change in the relationship that I had. Um, like, for example, previous, I had grown up uh, with more severe asthma than I have now. And when I would start to have an asthma attack, I mean, I used to have to use a nebulizer at night, but throughout the day, I'd just use an inhaler. And instead of giving myself the chance to rest and recuperate after having an asthma attack, would just be like, oh, hit the inhaler and let's keep going, you know, go back to class or, you know, keep shopping or whatever, whatever it was. Um, and when I got COVID, the inhaler just didn't work. So that was the first time I didn't actually have an option to bypass. And if I did too much, if I worked too hard, um, you know, or even just went up a flight of stairs too fast, I didn't have the option of bypassing anymore. It was like, I have to sit down and catch my breath. And in the past, I'd, you know, always have such a strong internalized, like, well, you have to keep going, even if no one said anything to me. Um, and it was a really good um, opportunity to take that six months to really just you know, tell myself and to tell other people, like, sorry, this is this is all I can really do right now. Um, which even though I'd had similar experiences with not feeling like I was physically able to do something, it was, I really didn't have enough ability to. So it was a really good opportunity, I think, in, in some ways. So that you keep, I'm hearing you saying, you know, unable to bypass. And I think that's one of the gifts of sickness is you're unable to bypass, um, especially if you're sick in a way where you're, unable to use certain medications that keep you going you know like I've, I've known plenty of people that will like 
hit some kind of caffeine when they wake up and then take like a bunch of robotussin when they go to bed. And it's just, it lets their body do what it needs to do to survive. So I'm not, not shading people, but it helps you bypass the symptoms. And I think what's so fascinating about medicine and uh, Western culture, which is so medicine dependent, is it's really a dependency on bypassing the symptoms. And I think what we know from doing so much of this somatic work, symptoms are ways the body communicates. They're not, they're not flaws or failures of the body. They're like really healthy responses to situations. So if we think of fatigue or we think of pain or we think of nausea, like all these things that come with being ill, that's the body trying to say, I'm not going to do this right now. That you can't make me like I'm going to make this so unpleasant for you that you have to just sit still sometimes to the point where you can't even eat. And I just wonder, I just wonder what it's like, like, how do we hold that relationship? I don't know what, uh, what your relationships are with medicine, but how do you hold that relationship with medicine around bypassing a symptom and using it consciously? That's why I guess what I'm trying to say, like conscious use instead of, you know, the dependency of bypassing a symptom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I laughed because I was that person who was just like Dayquil in the morning, Nyquil at night. Like, you know, I, I was that person like, I can't get sick right now. Um, and for me, there's been this transition between the mindset, like I can't get sick right now. So I'm going to take this medicine because this sickness, this illness is a, is, is an inconvenience is unnecessary versus now if I have the space and the time, I'll just let myself feel the illness as it is. Now, if there's something that I have to do, like if I have to take Khadijah somewhere, then yes, I will take some, some Dayquil day consciously because I need to get her somewhere and I need to suppress those symptoms for a bit so I can provide or support her. Um, but not just because that this sickness or this illness is an inconvenience because yeah, I've really gotten to the place where I, I love seasons of winter, whether it's the actual season of winter or it's being sick or it's being pregnant or postpartum or menstruating. Like all of these for me are signals to sit down. Um, you know, Khadijah's almost nine months old and I'm in a couple of mommy groups and it's just been really interesting to see um these women raise concerns about, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not showing up the way I should. And I kind of wanted to say, friend, sit down. Your body expressed a human being. There's a lot of things going on that are, are seeking to repair and recuperate. And to Marika's point, I found like, if you just sit down and be still, that recuperation takes place. It's actually, like you said, the body wants to survive. It wants to heal. And if we can give it space to do so i at least for me i find it to be a really magical and i don't know why the word like hollow is coming up but i mean like mm -hmm. in terms of my body my body feels hollow like when i fast like that mm -hmm. it's just like it feels like hollow and open and clear and I'm, i hope that makes sense yeah makes a lot of, i just started intermittent fasting again after years of not doing it mm -hmm. because my adrenals are in such good shape from the the quiet diet that it's like oh i'm gonna try some intermittent fasting and i feel that especially at night that hollow feeling yeah and in the first couple hours of the day that hollow feeling and it's such a good feeling and i i come from an eating disorder you know I, I had some anorexia growing up and then i binge ate and i kind of would go between the two and so in the past like the hollow feeling was a different thing 
but this time that it's like it, the word for me is a clarity and there's a stillness like it's actually not an adrenalized hollow it's like this really embodied oh my body doesn't have anything extra to do right now and it feels restful right that's what i'm assuming it's like when you fast yes it, it, exactly it's just this it's not that that urgency it's not that i can't eat it's that oh i have the opportunity to just let my body not have to process food and, mm -hmm. and also like during this i'm not doing anything else like i'm sitting i'm reflecting i'm reading and mm -hmm. so like you said yeah it's just it feels really serene that that just the lack of urgency so that's what i was going to ask next i wanted to go into this piece about urgency because everything we're talking about even when you said i can't get sick and like the day quill and the night quill and this is all developed to meet a culture of urgency and so I'm, I'm curious about our own internalized fear of slowness and what that what that means to us and how we hold that um how we celebrate it I, I'm, I'm curious what that looks like because the inconvenience of sickness besides the way it feels is it slows you down like no one has a sickness that speeds them up maybe like hyperthyroidism but most times if you have sickness of any kind or illness especially chronic illness you're slowed down and we have such an aversion to slowness so i often wonder even beyond wondering when i think of when i had a, a nutrition practice i would see people that had illnesses that they were told were lifelong and incurable and their illness was just their body trying to say, sit down, slow down, stop, eat a little less, eat a little more, like depending on the situation. And when they started listening to that wisdom that was unfolding through the symptom, they started recovering and they were clear. They didn't have the markers anymore. The autoimmunities just completely dissolved um, or greatly, greatly reduced. So I, it's like when I say, I, I wonder... Like, I wonder if we slow down, would these things transform? You know, I've seen them do so, but we have to, we have to transform our relationship to slowness and urgency. So I wonder where that comes in. Yeah, for me, I think that um, some of the um, urgency is definitely, there's like, a, for me, there's like a fine line between the, the strong desire to do something or create something or. Um, and urgency itself. And I think for me that kind of titrating into that is the only way that I can do that. Um, because, yeah, I, I think it, at first it's definitely very difficult to determine what is urgency and what is coming from a feeling of this needs to get done or versus, you know, I really want to write a song or, you know, work on something creative or I want to show up at some event or whatever it might be. Um noticing which is there where is it coming from like I, I would yeah just noticing if it's coming from a place of expansion but as someone who constantly wants to be doing something um really trying to give myself to always at least stop and notice before i do something and if it's not urgent then kind of inviting like well maybe can i just not do something or can i do something more passive instead of running off to do something can i just maybe sit and read for half an hour and give myself like a more passive resting experience. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I was just going to say that the, ur the urgency for me, it's like the sickness. I don't do slowness the way, uh, when, the way that I do when I'm sick, like the slowness that I do when I'm sick and like how I, everything slows down and like, 
I don't do that intentionally. Um, it's always from something urgent, like illness. You know what I mean? Or when I'm planning slowness, it's more like I didn't add a bunch of stuff to my schedule. It's not like this though, where I really took like a whole week and I, you know, and I really uh, just focused completely on myself. Um, it's more like fitting those things, fitting those 30 minute things in between, you know, a big life. Um, and I would, I would rather intentionally slow down like I did this last week, you know, um, quarterly, monthly, you know, something, I mean, I, I, it's just been so uh repair i think imperative you know so it's just interesting to see the difference between like what i thought was being slow and being you know um intentional it doesn't look anything like this last week you know but i feel like this last week has helped me repair in a lot of different ways not just the illness part so yeah and, and knowing that we'll have these breaks coming up this year like how can i this without it being a sickness start you know yeah that's right i know i've experienced personally and i think I, I see this in other people that the urgency comes from or can come from well i i performed this i've done this or career executed at this level today i should be able to do that always and if right. I can't, something's wrong. And so, you know, like the, so, you know, I invoked winter earlier. So that idea of we should be able to summer all year long. And I think that that has been individually and, and collectively part of the resistance to slowing down. But no, I've, I've done this before. I know I can do this. So I should be able to do this always. Whereas I think, at least for me, the, the wisdom has come from knowing that the reason I'm able to perform at that level is because rather than performing at that level, statically all the time consistently and persistently it's part of a cycle it's part of a rhythm it's part of an ebb and flow so i can summer because i also take time to winter i can execute i can produce because i also take time to rest and so moving back and forth between those for me has been a really um conscious practice on a daily weekly and monthly and yearly cycle that's why i love somatic experiencing because um, if you see it just as a modality to work with PTSD, you're cutting yourself off of a beautiful gift as amazing as it is for that. It's incredible as a lifestyle, isn't it? Because when you learn pendulation, you realize, oh, th this whole, this whole somatic experiencing, this whole somatic psychology, all it's doing is emulating cycles of nature really at the end of the day. Like you're looking at nature and you see how nature hits a capacity and it pulls in. And people have shared this, this video with me. It's this beautiful like time lapse of a flower. Someone mentioned it in membership too, right? This flower that opens and then it stops and closes slightly and it opens a little bigger. It stops and closes slightly. It's pendulating, titrating in and out based on its capacity to eventually open up all the way and then die. And I think it's it's such an incredible teacher for our bodies, which are natural, which are animals, about what you just said. I can summer because I can winter. If I can pendulate between those two, um, for me at least, I lose the expectation of what my like progress or output should be. And I gain where is my body now and what is it needing right now. And when I give it what it's needing now, which sometimes is slowness, for all of us, we're in winter right now, there's a slowness coming from the land. It's, it's 
gets darker, it's colder. So there's a contraction that occurs. There's so much that tells the body get really still and go inwards. And when we listen to that, then we have capacity to spring and summer. So it's also relational. And when, when Marika was talking and you said cycles, Camille, I wrote down lunar cycles when Marika was speaking, because it's, it's when you live by lunar cycles or you're inspired or you're in relationship to lunar cycles, you're in a constant daily shift. You're never in one place. You don't expect yourself to be in one place. But when we lose the moon, really for the man-made calendar, um, we, we get this idea, like even when you look at a calendar, it's a grid. And you get this kind of gridlocked idea that I should be performing a certain way, certain days of the week, certain hours of those days. But the lunar cycle is totally different. And I said I wasn't going to call on people, but this is relational, this part. So I'm, I'm curious, Camille, like you have a, I know you have an intimate relationship as a Muslim to the moon and with yeah. fasting. Like, can you, what, what's that? How do you navigate that? What does that look like in your life? Yeah, yeah. So for some for context, for those who don't know, so the, the Islamic calendar is a lunar calendar. So it starts with the new moon. Um, and then um, uh, a personal practice of mine is to also fast with the new moon as well as the full moon. And I've just constantly or over the years come into awareness that I, I relate really well to the moon. So particularly, I like acknowledging during the the new moon that's that's my time that i'm going to go in I'm, I'm going to i'm going to probably not do a lot of uh work events i'm not going to go to parties and then i also know that during the full moon i tend to be a bit more extroverted or i have capacity i have energy to be a bit more extroverted even though i'm fasting it's just been interesting to to watch how my body ebbs and flows throughout throughout the lunar cycle um and that was one of the first things uh, that, I mean, and the seasons, but really came into awareness of it when I started being consciously aware of how my body could, could follow the, the lunar cycle that I could apply the same thing to even the weekly calendar. And I love how you brought that up. It, it appears as a grid. Um, but one of the things that I really liked uh, for my own um, cycles and rhythms is I've begun to think of the week as sort of like this mountain peak. If you think of a bell curve, so like Sunday is more of like a, a new moon ish day for me, sort of lower Monday. I'm ramping up Tuesday. I'm ramping up Wednesday. I'm at my peak when Thursday, I start to ramp down Friday. I'm almost at back at new moon and Saturday. I'm back at new moon again. So for me, the week isn't just this straight linear thing is it's a bell curve it's, it's a mountain it's a mountain with a peak and so whether it's um on a daily basis like i said or the weekly basis or the monthly basis with the the moons or the yearly basis with the seasons just having awareness of those ebbs and flows those cycles have just been um i don't know it just feels really settling and i don't want to use the word innate uh but once I came to awareness of it, it just it just made sense for for me and my body, and it just felt like something that was connected to me through through Islam or through my ancestors or you know through through whatever. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's so beautiful because I love spirals. You know, they're they're mm -hmm. so my my teachers and my patterns, yeah. and it's exactly when I hear you talking about the ebb and flow of the week, like you're in this spiral of. I go to a center place and a little place, and then I spiral and get a little bigger, then I fan back in. And if you're living in that way, it's it's very hard to get burned out. 
Yes. Like you'll get tired, which is great, but mm -hmm. you won't get burnt out like to the bone the way you'll no. get if you're just ramped up and you're not like yes. playing with that capacity, which Absolutely. you know very well. And I hit that wall. I hit <laughs> that wall. It's not sustainable. It's mm -hmm. not. You will hit the wall and you will think something is wrong with you because why Why can't I be at full moon or summer all the time? Why can't I be at a hundred percent is the way we say it. And um, I really liked walking away from that term. Why am I not at a hundred percent? Because I feel like I'm, I'm at a hundred percent during my new moon. It's just a hundred percent. Or my hundred yeah. percent in January is going to be different than my hundred percent in July. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Hey, my friends. I created a space that is affordable, accessible, and anyone is allowed to join anytime, and it's called the Library Membership. The Library Membership is an online, private platform that hosts dozens of my webinars, my somatic practices, private mini-lectures, and movement practices. There's also a monthly sound healing, and you'll be invited to a weekly Tuesday live mini practice with me and other participants. You'll also be invited to be a live audience member in our monthly HLN team podcast recordings, where you'll take place in the Q&A that happens off air after the episode is filmed. For more information on this membership, click on the link below or go to holisticlifenavigation.com and click on membership and then library. You can join right now and you can cancel or pause your subscription at any time. I look forward to seeing you in there. Yeah. I, I you know, as we're talking, a couple of things come up. What's really fun about having my own business and having technically employees, even though I don't, I don't really use that word very much. Uh, employees, uh, work <laughs> family, uh, employees right up there with journey. Yeah. Um, You're my employees, my entrepreneur. Oh, you hate entrepreneur. <laughs> 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 oh, what, wait, what would you use instead of entrepreneur? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um a sole proprietor. <laughs> I thought you said something like spiritual. You said soul. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Like a vision, a vision creator. Um, well, when I was thinking about like being an entrepreneur, being a sole proprietor, what's so fun about having employees is like we get to, I get to like make this whole new world and invite people into it. And one thing that I decided to do last year, but especially this year, was eight weeks of paid vacation, which is like everyone listening is going to be like, fuck you. Right. Oh, yeah. And you can give it to us. We can handle it. Like, yes. Uh, but I'm saying that for two reasons. One, because I'm boasting because I'm very happy that we're able to do that. And it makes me it, it's it's exciting for people to know you can have a really successful business and people can still take lots of rest. Like you don't have to work your ass off all the time. And so that feels important to say out loud. So hopefully other people listening that own businesses can consider like, how can I create more space for myself and my employees? Um, so I'm excited to see how our business keeps shifting as we go into the spirals of like three months of a lot of work and it peaks and it comes down. Then we just dissolve for two weeks and we come back out. Uh, but I'm also saying that because this podcast isn't an entrepreneur podcast. And I, I'm saying, I what I mean by that is a lot of coaching podcasts, it's mostly people that own their own businesses listening to it. The thousands of people listening to this episode have to go to a job that someone else makes the rules and they might have like a one hour commute there and back. So it was two hours and then they work an eight hour day like I used to do. 
So you're talking like 10, 11, 12 hours sometimes. Monday through Friday is given to something that doesn't quite nourish you. I just want to include them here. Like, can we all think of a time, and I'm sure we can, where that was our life? How did we, or knowing what you know now, how could we incorporate this idea of spiraling, of the lunar calendar, of capacity, of um, not challenging urgency, but noticing urgency and letting rest come in? How can we do that when you're working that much for somebody else? I mean, yes, I totally relate. Uh, let's be real, nine to five is actually seven to seven, or at least it wasn't my experience. So. Uh, say it loud. Okay. Say it loud, me too. Um, looking back, there is there are things that I wish I had done earlier in my career, even when I was still working corporate that I did start to do eventually, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, um, Malcolm, and I had gone back to work after my three month um, maternity leave and maybe about three weeks or so into it, my manager at the time told me, uh, yeah, I need you to take this trip to California, this week trip. And inside, I was just like, oh my God, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm nursing and I was, but he, he's only three months. And and um, she, I guess you could kind of see it on my face because she says, well, is, is anything wrong? I said, oh, you know, it's just Malcolm, he's still kind of young. And she looked at me and said, well, you know, you got to cut the cord sometimes. And um, I don't think she wasn't trying to be mean. But I wish I had said, no, I don't have the capacity for that. I am open to traveling maybe in another three months. But right now, I'm going to stay close to home. I'm going to stay close to him. Um, I just want to put a pin in that for a minute. Yeah. Like, how much we all internalize this urgency culture. Because mm -hmm. it's, like, stereotypical. It's, like, male and patriarchal. But, like, that's a woman saying that. Too. Yes, so I just think it's interesting. she had internalized it. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that's, I think yeah. that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go ahead. Even, she was a, she was a mother as well. But yeah, yeah, exactly. She had internalized, and then I was sitting there internalizing myself. Like I, mm -hmm. I bond. It was like, okay, yeah. And yep. There was a part of me like, but if I don't, then it'll be the the maternity or the mom backlash, and I gotta keep my career on track. I mean, all of these things. And looking back on it, I wish I would have just set the boundary, even much, even to the extent of being clear enough to say no, I'm not traveling. I'm not traveling for the next three months. And I totally understand that means that means we need to reassess either my position or relationship in this organization. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, as you're saying that, I, I think of, again, people listening or, or our minds. When people talk about being free, our minds will immediately create a reason why we're not allowed to have that. Yeah. You know, so like when we say something like, like when you hear Marika say, I spent a week just being with my body, you know, having COVID, mind you, but a week being with my body. Some people will be like, must be nice. And mm -hmm. when we hear that come up in our mind, like, well, you can, I can't. When we hear that, we want to get really curious and notice, okay, some part of me is afraid to be that expansive. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that, because I worked insane amounts of hours and jobs for a long time with practically no pay. <laughs> And what I learned in those years, because I did what I did now, but, you know, unpaid. And so I was still practicing these things, even though I wasn't teaching them. And what I learned from the practice is when I would get home from work, I would have this incredible opportunity to do what Marika did for a week. I would have this incredible opportunity to drop in and hold my body and be in the dark and listen to beautiful music or take a bath. And the only reason I had that opportunity is because I had to let these ideas dissolve of that I wasn't allowed to do that. Yeah. Because what I did prior to that was come home and say, well, 
who who am I if I don't do the dishes first? Yes. Or I need to get that laundry done. Mm-hmm. Or I should really do something productive. Or I should yeah. really go out tonight with somebody. I should watch this show. Like whatever the should, which is constricting. And I heard Evan say earlier, like noticing when he constricts or expands. When that should would come in, that was my signal that said, oh, that's my mind trying to convince my body that it's unsafe to rest. Yeah. And I'm saying this out loud as like somatic healing trauma work 101 when you are stuck in a flight response which if you're working that much you are in a you have to be to to survive it you're probably between freeze and flight when you're stuck in a flight response your body believes that stillness equals death because your your ancestral animal which would be running from a predator would know if i stop running from this predator it's going to eat me if I'm in a war, if I'm fighting with another group of people, they catch up to me, they're going to kill me. So when we're in a fight response, a flight response, sorry, my body believes that the slower I get, the closer the threat gets to me. Even when there's no actual threat to your life, that's what the, the animal body goes into. So I'm just saying that out loud. So when you're hearing us talking, even if you don't have the privilege of having lots of time off work or the, the privilege of, of creating your own schedule... Just notice what we're really talking about is the animal body believes it's unsafe to slow down regardless of your working privileges. And I know that from working just like you do, Camille, with entrepreneurs who work 80 hours a week, who work seven days a week. Even though they have all the money, even though they have all the power to change their schedule, their animal body they inhabited, just like anyone's in a flight response, believes that slowing down will kill them. So it's really about... How do I just titrate and start practicing finding safety and slowness? And for me, it was getting rid of devices. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a TV. I had a computer. I didn't have the internet. And when I came home from work, there was nothing to come home to to distract me. There was nothing to take me from my body. And I learned how to write poetry and take baths and listen to beautiful music and stare at the wall with a candle lit. And that was like so decadent. It was like going to a spa even though I had to get up the next morning and do a 10-hour shift again. So I'm just bringing that in because I have the the lived experience of burning out from working all the time and from finding the little fragments of moments of space that I can just totally take into after I lost like the shoulds. So I don't know if anyone wants to add to that or how you navigated that before. You know, we're blessed with the schedule we have now, but what life was like before that? Yeah, I'll just add that... um... One of the things I noticed uh, when I was working 12 hours a day is that some of that was the self-imposed, or it, it was self-imposed. It was a flight response and that there was a part of me that was saying, well, if I just get caught up, if I just get caught up, then finally I, I, I can have a break and I can rest or I have I um, earned it or I deserved it. And one thing that's been helpful for me to notice is like, there's always going to be something to do. The reality is I'm never going to get caught up on everything. And so it's really been helpful for me to, to, to consciously be aware of what can wait. And, and again, sort of going back to that idea of urgency that um, there's always going to be something that could take the place, even if I cross this thing off the list. And that has sort of given me, that conscious awareness has, has given me more capacity to go slow, to slow down. Um, and to be comfortable, even if everything on my to-do list hasn't been crossed off by 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. that day. Absolutely. The thing that uh, is different for me from old working me to now working me is 
the real difference is capacity and understanding, understanding what that is, understanding what it is for myself, um, knowing what those warning signs when you're getting what I'm getting close to being over capacity or at capacity. Like, um, I was so well, because I was very much in freeze and very much dissociated. Um, like I had no idea that we had capacity, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it made so much sense when, when it was finally explained to me and I'm like, Oh, that actually makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so easy to push past it and push past, uh, you know, boundaries when you don't actually know where your capacity ends or where it is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, now for me, it's when I'm getting a lot of charge and I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm getting feedback from my partner, like, oh, okay, I need to, there's something going on, <laughs> you know, but Before it was just like in my sort of old jobs, it was probably I just need to work more <laughs> Yeah. or harder, right? Um, or just put in a little bit more time because in my mind there would be this break at the end Mm -hmm. and there was never a break. So, you know, it's just even with our work, like if you didn't, if we didn't have these built in breaks, um, I would really have to consciously, you know, intentionally figure out how to do that for myself. And I don't think I would give myself eight weeks out of the year, you know, or I would. And, and then I'd be like, but I'm going to work for four of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you would. You I mean, did it last year. because I have, like, you, <laughs> you know, need to stop working, but, it's, please. but, it, but it also I had to um, expand my capacity to take breaks Like over the last three years, like the first time we had two weeks off, I think I, t I had two, I took two to three days for myself. Yeah. And then the next time I took like four and the next time five, you know what I mean? So this last time, yes, I had COVID, but um, I was prepared to take at least 10 to 12 days Mm -hmm. um, off. And I had scheduled some things like throughout the weeks, throughout these last two weeks so that I, wasn't getting into a work pattern. It was like, oh, I have like this fun thing to do, this holiday Mm thing, -hmm. a family thing, you know, sort You of did trying you to did good this time. You Yeah, like always I, did good this time. Like this is like the best <laughs> <laughs> this is the best I was like, eight hundred I breaks kept wondering I've had. if you were, if you had seen my email because like I would look at my emails and be like, oh my god, it's over three hundred, but that means I'm not working. <laughs> I didn't look once because I was like, she's not working. I'm not working. There should be a bunch of emails piled up in there. My biggest trigger, everyone listening, is mess. Like one of my triggers in this lifetime that I'm still trying to work on uncoupling is like, like stuff. Like, like I, I, it's not even mess. It's like the accumulation of stuff. Like if I go Clutter. into a store and there's Clutter. Yes. clutter, that's Clutter. the word. Yes. When I go into one of those stores that has like tchotchkes, I'm like, kill me now like right now right now i'll take COVID again for two weeks That's hilarious. I'm like, long take all COVID that money. for two more months <laughs> like i can't do it and so uh when i go into an email <laughs> marika okay everyone i gotta hear the story so we went to la because we did this west coast retreat and marika waited for like three years somehow to show me her phone This, this one moment to show me her phone in la of how many emails she had in her personal how many emails was it Twenty thousand, probably. <laughs> she had twenty thousand emails in her private email, and I'm not trying to be like foul. It just sounded really dumb. I, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so.
Oh my god. EFT, I'm safe, I'm home. Oh <laughs> so, I need to take a breath. Okay. So, okay, so just like we said, I'm laying on this couch relaxing. Marika just does this. She just puts it right in my face. It felt like someone put an unwashed diaper under my nose. Like that's literally how I'm not even kidding. That's the, the only thing I can imagine as a father with many diapers. I remember that feeling, that smell. He screamed. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of those fucking emails. But then, but then so, like, how do you deal with this? Like at the end of the year, I just click red, red all and then it goes back to zero. Like, you don't delete so, so, <laughs> I don't have time for that. It takes a long time. I've tried before. I'm like, no. <laughs> I love that you've just totally, or you're not arguing with what it is. When it comes no, to you're I, at I mean, peace with I, I can show you how many emails I have right now, but because I haven't erased it yet, I tried to go through and delete, but I only got like <laughs> six thousand deleted. So. But I didn't. My point is, I didn't look at your emails because if I look no. at Riga's emails and there's a ton, or Evan's emails and there's a bunch of emails, I'm like, can you please clean those up because like my Virgo gets activated. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like, I'm not gonna look at them because there's supposed to be a lot of emails in there. Um, yeah. Three hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're um, like, I see that you have more than 35 emails. I think you should clean that out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to show you my, my personal one. I'm not going to show you that. But, but what you said about titrating is really important. Like, I wanted to put a pin in two things you said. If I can't feel my body, so everyone listening, if you can't feel your body, you can't feel your capacity. It's mm -hmm. impossible. Not going to happen. <laughs> capacity is biological. It's a sensation. It's a felt sense. When we talk about symptoms... We're really talking about capacity. When Evan says asthma, we're talking about the capacity for the lungs to take in air. You know, when I'm talking about nausea, the capacity for my stomach to experience anything going into it. So it, it, it enlivens us to our capacity, doesn't it? And when there's numbness or dissociation, which is inherent when you're stuck in a trauma response, you can't feel. And that's the catch 22 with, with trauma healing is you have to titrate that little bit of noticing, that little bit of self-witnessing, so you can start to feel what it even feels like to have a body. And then once you have that down, then you learn what capacity feels like, and then you can start listening to your body. Some people are like, I really want to learn how to listen to my body, and they take the course. And we're like, okay, we're going to teach you. And week one, they're like, I'm on fire, I can't sleep. We're like, that's what it's like to dive in and listen to your body. You have to go slow. And anyone who took the course could probably hear Camille in their nightmares and then and then end their dreams saying <laughs> notice, 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 titration, titration, titration. And that's what she's talking about. It, the the simple, seemingly like, you know, uh what's the word the meaningless uh task of noticing is a really deep medicine because you start to learn where your capacity is. Then once you have that, it's like the world opens up to you. Because you can work your 12-hour shift and get home and actually realize, what do I have capacity for right now? And if you have an hour or two waking hours left before you go to bed, that will change your life. To have two hours with your capacity intact will change how you live. So that's one thing I want to say. And I just, the titrating piece, like you took two days out of two weeks, four days out of two weeks, eight days out of two weeks. That's what I meant a little while ago when I said people listening and the mind saying, I can't do that. It's the body's fear of expansion. Expansion is big and spacious and mysterious and vulnerable. So our minds love the idea of freedom. We love to talk about how free we want to be. But to actually experience it takes capacity to have all that space. So I, I just felt that was important to, to tackle on there and bring in. Mm -hmm.
And I'll just add add on um, for those who've been listening over the course of last year, you know, Khadijah had several uh, medical concerns last year and she was in the ICU for for about uh, seven weeks after going into cardiac arrest. And I was still doing some HLN work during that time. And people would say like, how are you doing that? Aren't you like, and the answer was because I was listening to my capacity. That is, I was doing the work that I had the capacity to do. And I wasn't doing the work that I didn't have the capacity to do. So it was this sort of um, it got to an unconscious point at some point where, where where I was just, I don't know, it was somewhat effortless or or easy to set boundaries to say, yep, yeah, I can do that, or nope, I can't do that. Um, but it was just sort of wild to people that I was still doing some form of work while all of that is going on. And yes, there absolutely was a lot going on. But when you have that conscious awareness, that embodiment of what your capacity is, knowing like when you're hitting, hitting that edge and then think, oh, nope that's 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 not within uh, capacity today then you do have capacity potentially to do something else tomorrow so just wanted to share that as well well i also like how um camille and i've seen you do this and i've seen Luis do this and i have tried to practice it where for one when i learned about capacity it was still in this really binary way like i have it i don't and now like i've seen both of you do this um where it's like I think I'm going to have capacity for that and let's get there and then I'll see like and then I can make my decision from there like I always feel like I need to for a long time I felt like like, I have capacity for x and it's gonna stay that way (laughs) and and now it's like I feel like when I'm I feel like my yeses are with an asterisk you know and like yes and let's just see how I'm feeling that day and yeah pivot and it's given so much more fluidity to like my relationships and the things that I do because they know that I'm showing up and I really want to be doing these things or if I say I really don't have it today I thought I was going to but I don't I don't feel bad about that anymore you know I think it's but it is something that I think has to be practiced at least Mm -hmm. it for me it did just (laughs) because you know I I, it felt so oh I'm being wishy-washy or like, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm, I, or I can't be counted on, you know. Yep. And it's like, actually, now I can really be counted on because I'm giving you like the real answer. The real, real me. Time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't and, actually know what my capacity is going to be like in two weeks. Yeah, you know? that's important when you say wishy-washy. Like these are the terms we've all internalized and thrown at each other when someone's just listening to the truth. You know, like we 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 have found a way to stigmatize people being honest because we don't like the answer. And so it's, it's learn and, and I see that even like, um, through a, an, a understanding, you know, empathic lens, like I understand if you're an employer and 10 of your employees call out one day, cause they don't have capacity that doesn't work. Like they're there. And that's kind of the reality of society is the way we've built it. It doesn't really work. If you're fully listening to the body, you have to find these kind of like subcultural experiences, right? Like, like, like we're creating, um, but I just think I just think that was important, you know, the way you said that. I, I appreciate that. And um, there's something else I want to say to that that I'm losing right now. What was the first part you were you were mentioning? Do you remember? Well, I was just talking about how it's it was sort of a binary. That that's the one. Yeah, you remember in August at the retreat we did in Menla, it, I had that breakthrough about no longer calling it building capacity, but calling it tending capacity. Right. And it's changed everything for me. And I've seen a change with the students and people that come to, come to our workshops now. Because when we talk about building capacity, there, there's a binary that enters where you're like right. leveling up and like, okay, I hit level six. Now I'm always level six. I get to level seven. 
Whereas tend to capacity, it invites the idea that I don't know where it is on any given day. I'm going to tend to it based on where it is. And it also means because if I don't have the capacity, let's say for this podcast, it doesn't mean that I don't do the podcast. So some people think, well, if I don't have capacity and I just cancel everything sometimes, but not all the time. Sometimes you can do something with low capacity and I can ask myself, well, how do I do this podcast when my capacity is out of 20 instead of 100? That's right. Yeah. Like I like that where, yes, I like that where if I know I have something I need all my capacity for that day, then I know that I need to cancel other things or I know I need to like, you know, push something else out. And it's, um, and I used to not like doing that because I felt like I was prioritizing things over other things in a, I don't know, a negative way, but Mm -hmm. that's just knowing what I want to prioritize and having the capacity for those things. So. Now, we're recording this on January 1st. I don't do resolutions, but um, Marika wanted to talk about all the, resolu- all the resolutions we're not doing. So um, I'll start by saying I'm not doing any of them if I don't do them. Uh, why don't we all share? Like, what, what resolutions have you tried to do in the past? You're like, I'm not going to do. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it out. I'm definitely not going to quit coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been a resolution of yours? I don't even know if it's ever made it to the resolution. It's, it's, been, it's been a thought that's entered my head. And then cutting down, that's that, that's different. So maybe, oh, maybe that, that can even be where we can take this as, a, tell the public? Know, as a resolution. Huh? Can we tell the public? Can we tell the public? <laughs> I've 50, already cut down. He's 50% <laughs> decreased his coffee consumption. Which it I never thought would happen. It wasn't and even on purpose. It was back to... <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I shared too much of my coffee. Um, and then really, and really, um, yeah, I've I've always gone through fluctuations with my coffee consumption. And I think it's also kind of, um, it's a good marker of if I'm not noticing my capacity, the number of cups of coffee I'm having is alerting me to where my capacity's at. Yes. Um, so it's nice to be able to kind of balance that out and then see where I land. How about you, Marika? What's what's one you're just not going to do this year? Um, I will not be giving up sugar. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I I did that one year and I'm surprised I didn't like murder everybody around. The whole year? No, nothing. It was like, no, I did like, it was like three three months or something. Oh, wow. Good run. Three months of everybody's life. (laughs) (laughs) No. Including yours or was it worse for them? Probably for everybody around. You made it worse for them. Yeah. As long as I'm making it worse for people around me, then I'm (laughs) sure. (laughs) You settled yourself. You found safety in their misery. Right. Kind of. Yeah. They're like, what's going on with you? I'm like, no sugar. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm not. But I also have not been, because of this last week, I'm like the cleanest I've ever been. Totally. Like no caffeine, no, yeah, no dairy, no sugar, no booze, no nothing. Just like beans and fruit you've been eating, right? Yeah, well, yeah, or lentils, just yeah. water. <laughs> yeah. And like I remember one the the first day I'm like, water is a meal. Yeah, like yeah. The first few days, like that's it, just water. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no, totally. I feel so clean. <laughs> nice. So you can kind of start from there, which is really beautiful. Yeah, I'm like, well, I guess we're jump starting the new year without even thinking about it. So that's kind yeah. of yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna play tonight in the membership. Um, 
so many people tend to do New Year's cleanses. Again, when I was a nutritionist, oh my goodness, my voicemail will be flooded the first week of January because everyone wanted to work with a nutritionist to like detox. And I was trained in a kind of detoxification that's called like a nourishing cleanse, um, which is really rare. Most cleanses are all about purging or reducing or kind of like, like scouring the body. And um, a nourishing cleanse is about feeding the body only nourishing food. So it's essentially like if you think of our our foods that we teach people in week two of the course, the, the, the whole foods that are balancers, you're mostly just doing balancing foods, but there's no portion control. You can eat as much as you want, as little as you want, you really follow your body, but you just bring in the nourishing foods. And there's this, um, oh, what's it called? I think it's the Gerson Institute. Yeah, it's the Gerson Institute. They're They're really well known for just completely dissolving people of almost every kind of cancer you can imagine. Like they have a really high success rate. They were um, outlawed by the United States government, no surprise, and had to move across the border to Mexico to to practice, um, which they continue doing. But one one way they became so successful is through nourishing detoxes. They would nourish people so deeply that their cells simply couldn't take in disease because it'd be filled with so much nourish nourishing calories instead of empty calories. So I'm gonna I'm gonna teach uh, our members tonight how to do like a nourishing cleanse. I think it's gonna be really fun because it's a more settled way. It's not so like stimulating and adrenalizing and heightening for 28 days and you crash and you go back to everything you did before. It's like a really gentle way to to hold that down. Um and yeah, does anyone have any, anything to say before we transition? No, I don't have anything else. Okay, well, now's that time where we get to hang out with our live audience here. So if anyone wants to be part of that, we do it every month when we do these HLN team podcasts. And you can do so by clicking the link in the episode details for the library membership. It's been lovely to be with all of you. Take good care. That's the end of today's episode. Now let's take a moment to notice where we feel the episode in our bodies. Close your eyes. Take a breath and let whatever wants to come up, come up. And remember, those sensations hold the wisdom that we're looking for. If you want to go deeper, visit holisticlifenavigation.com. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.